thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Neara. And I'm doing some fist pumping. Yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're talking about something that Cindy found, which I just think is profound. What was it called, Cindy? It's the 22 Habits? It was the 22 Habits of Unhappy People. Bless their cotton socks. Do you know what I find most fascinating about this is that there is somebody that has actually done the research Mm. on unhappy souls. Mm. Like there must be so many people out there dragging their bottom lips and their knuckles on the ground for somebody to actually think, well, let's figure out what are the top 22 habits. And I wonder if they started off thinking there would be 22 or did they maybe go, let's get the top five, and then realize there was actually a top 10, and then there was a top 15, and then there was a top 20, and then there was a top 22? Yeah. Well, you know that the stress, the topic stress, sells more books on Amazon six to one than it does any other book. Is that right? So when you understand that, you realize that these topics, and I think really the point of this, maybe it's not so much that it's a negative thing thinking about the unhappy people. We all get unhappy. We all get happy. We all feel joy. We all feel, feel, feel sadness. So, but I think it's a, the sadness that's so flippin' painful. It's so painful. We don't actually want to be there. So maybe then it becomes more of a significant topic in the fact that we don't want to be there. Maybe that's what it's about. I reckon. I reckon as humans we spend so much time resisting life that for the most part, We only experience joy against a background of pain. Mm. Honestly, and that's quite serious. But I I do, I really do think that. I think that we spend so much time resisting what is and resisting life. I want more money. I want another car. I want a different house. I want this. I want that. I don't have this. I don't have that. We spend so much time wanting something other than what we've got that when we do get joy, it's temporary, it's momentary, and it's only as a contrast against the rest of what pain is. I actually question or wonder do we even know what joy is do we know what it is or do we only know it the contrast of pain and not pain is joy to us not pain and is happiness to humans not being not happy do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a good it's a perplexing question it is a very it's a very perplexing question and i'd hate to think that our joy is is just lack of pain. I would hope that it's far greater than that. Than that, yeah. And that's why when I when I saw it um, and I read the whole twenty two, I went, well, let's make it positive. Let's yeah. let's look at the twenty two habits of happy people because. So I thought, well, it's got to be the direct opposite because we know that, don't we? It's mm. the feeling of joy is a lack of pain. Well, maybe that's not the case, that and maybe I did that all wrong in the end. No. Well, you, put you look at it that way. You put this on your Facebook page? I put it on my Facebook page and then what I did was I went, well, perhaps this is the 22 habits of unhappy people. Therefore, if we reverse those habits around and we do the 22 habits of happy people. Yeah. So instead of looking at the negative, we do the positive. Yeah. Well, do you think we could go through the 22 and maybe investigate both sides and yeah. see what comes up? That would be good. Yeah. And, 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 and... 
Why don't we invite all of our listeners at the end of today's podcast to go to our Facebook page and create their own top 22 habits of happiness? I love that. Yeah. yeah I love well, that. for some, there might be five. For some, there might be 20. Let's say we'll just collate them. Yeah. Well, yeah, just give us your top and we'll collate them. We'll come up with the list. Perfect. We'll come up with a top 22 list of happiness. Oh, clench. Oh, oh clench. A lot. So what's the first one, Miss Cindy? Well, we go to the negative first. Yeah. So the unhappy. So number one is chronic complaining. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, we know those types in our lives, don't we? Yes, and we mother-in-law just saying, I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I love my mother-in-law. I love my mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you... Talk about this, what you focus on, you get. So if you're chronically complaining, did I just complain then? No, you didn't. I think I did. No, I think you made a joke. I think it was just a joke. Okay, okay. Or was that just a complaint turned into a joke, therefore we make it okay? Oh, see, now we're in a rabbit hole. Now we're in a rabbit hole. But I do actually do love my mother in law. I was actually joking. Yeah, but. But True good point, that. <laughs> Anywho, back to the point. Sarcasm is the lowest form of wit. Apparently, mm-hmm. friends, mother, always says. And often a true word is spoken in jest, my mother said. Yeah. What <laughs> you are. Motherisms. Mother. <laughs> hey, now, that, that's another podcast. Yes, I have dad-isms. Oh. Oh. I definitely have. My dad has so many good isms, so... That's another podcast. Yeah. All right, would be dad-isms, mother-isms, grandma-isms... Yeah, but my, my dad-isms are brilliant. Yeah, just brilliant. But anyway, so chronic okay. complaining. So the opposite to chronic complaining is stop complaining. <laughs> it's really easy. Just stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> I think the important thing around a complaint, and we were talking about this off-air before we went in here, is actually maybe it's not so bad to complain, and I don't even think of any of these negatives are really that negative. It's probably more about the awareness of that negative thought or that negative complaint or because sometimes it's good just to get it off your chest I think sometimes having a little whinge or having a little complaint every now and again I had a little whinge when I walked in here and I started I read this first one and went okay alright I'm a chronic complainer (laughs) I confess I confess (laughs) my name is Cindy (laughs) O'Meara my name is Cindy O'Meara and I'm a chronic complainer today <laughs> or this morning or just before the podcasting about, about 10 minutes ago I now stop complaining but that's the point isn't it so I think we can yeah rather than fight any of these or think that you're bad for doing them maybe there's a thing around the awareness of it and therefore how do we present ourselves or pick ourselves up when we're doing it because to me that's when I catch myself is when I'm doing something and often it's your kid or your partner or those closest to you that go, oh, you always complain or you always say that. You know, you don't realise you're doing it until... Uh, and I just had this thought then, of, just I had this flashback to high school. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, she's actually gone there. She's Mr. gone all the way back. All I remember, I've just gone blank with his name. But he used Mr. to... Mr. something or other. <laughs> he used to stand there and he'd, he'd be writing on the board and he'd go, all right, and then, uh, all right, uh, all right. And one day I sat there and I passed a note to my friend and went, he said 22 all rights in the last minute. Then our focus became all right. right. (laughs) And then that note went around all the class and we all started counting and all timing and he turned around and went, what's the problem? And we all stood there and he goes, well, there's nothing wrong. Let's get back to it, all right? And the whole class lost it. But what I'm saying is is sometimes we don't even realise there's an issue until it's 
highlighted. Mm. So around complaining, what are some of the typical complaints? Never have enough time. Never have enough money. You know, I saw a post today on, and it's someone we know, and I don't think they'd mind me sharing, but she wrote that, you know, what is it with kids? You know, you wake up to meditate, and the next minute they're, they're running around wild and they found a whistle. I didn't even know we owned a whistle in the house. <laughs> and she was really grumpy and really annoyed. And in that moment, I chuckled because I thought, oh my gosh, how often is it when you, you've got young children, do you ever get the time to focus on you, really? But rather than complain about it, I just went straight into, maybe it's because I'm out the other end, but it was like, oh my gosh, because at the other side, I read a quote on Facebook of a lady that was celebrating the anniversary of the loss of her toddler. Mm. And there was a part of me that went, oh my gosh, she'd probably give anything to have her kids. kids blow a whistle while she was trying to meditate. Yeah. So again, it comes back to perspective. Yeah, I think, um, I think there are some people, depending on how they grew up, depending on how their family environment was and what their parents were like and what their grandparents were like and the parents before them, because we only really know what we learn, really. And if we grow up in an environment where complaining is the natural mode of conversation and talking about other people and, you know, all of that sort of stuff, then they don't, we don't really learn anything other than that. And, you know, I, I think back to school when you were talking about school. Just reminded me of when I went back to school, when I was at school, there were groups of girls that unless you were going to talk about everybody else and complain about the school and complain about the teachers and complain about the tuck shop and complain about the food, you kind of didn't fit in. It was just one of those cliques that was just only about complaining. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll actually remember, and it was actually really hard to be friends with them. I was friends with them for a little while and I found it really <laughs> exhausting. I think because I'm too playful. Yeah. I mean, I'll, there are definitely things that I'll complain about, Matt, no mistake about it, but I think because I'm too playful, I found being in that energy really draining. And I think that's really the end result. You know, everybody knows people that when you're in their company, they bleed you dry. It's called the vampire effect. Yeah, because you just, they just can't see life any other way. And it's not just occasionally, it's constantly. It's constantly. I think the occasional complaint most of us recognise when we're doing it. But it's for those people who are chronic complainers and that's the way that they live their life perpetually. Man, oh man, that is just, that's exhausting, hey? Do you think that those people... And you are not that, Cindy. Let us just put that right out there right now. <laughs> that's why I think when you're aware of it, it's, it's not such an issue and it's okay. I think it's okay to have a bleed. But you're right, actually, because some people, even in our circles... I notice that I always think now, before I go and see them, I wonder what they're going to be complaining about today. Or oh, I take a vitamin B before I go. <laughs> <laughs> and I just realised that I say that. I wonder what the drama is or the complaint is today. Like Life for them is always a drama and a complaint. See, I find that incredibly irritating though. I find it quite challenging. You know what I do? I love it because when I go there, I always think then, oh, I wonder how I can turn this into a happy situation wonder how I can turn their thoughts around to seeing the positives or another does side. Does it ever work? Yeah. It does. Oh, good yeah. for you. But it's the only way yeah, you're good at that. I agree. I think you're good at that. I see, I see you turn things around. I've seen you turn things around oh, too. I yeah. just avoid that. Do you? I don't go to those people's places. Oh, you don't go. <laughs> I don't go. No, but it's hard when it's family or people that are close to you. Of course. It's hard to avoid it. So you oh, that's true. You know, and that's where the challenge lies, is how you can actually do it with people 
that are in your circle. You can't choose them sometimes. Mm. Mm. So let's throw a challenge out. Let's, let's, do, let's it. do it. So we're going to do the, you know, the, the 22 habits of happy and unhappy people. people. So we're just reversing it. So that's 22 days. So from this day onwards, or in, if it's in the evening that they're listening to this, oh. let's say as of tomorrow, the first thing that we do for the day is we do not complain about one thing. We make a real concerted effort for that one day. What a great idea. To oh, and not I'll, complain I'll, about a thing. And I'll keep a tab of that on Facebook. So yeah. I'll put it on there every day and go, okay, yeah. how are we going with not yeah. complaining? So the day this podcast goes to air yeah. will be day one yeah. complaint. Or maybe we'll make the following day. I think day. the following day will make it. It'll go to air on Tuesday. Yeah. So we'll start yeah. on Wednesday and we'll say today is... Um, non-complaining, non-complaining day. day, and then you know, and we go through each of them. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna or do we give everybody that week to listen to the podcast? Because some people don't listen to the podcast uh, till the end. So do we start the following well, Monday? That can then just make notes, okay. because you know there are people that listen to us straight away. You know, it comes down and we get texts, and they <laughs> can't believe it. I seem to remember getting a text from one girl saying, laughing her head off at, Kim, at Tim and Ness's one in your Dawnbreaker. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that was within the hour of it being released. That was within the hour of being released. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. She's listening to us now. Yeah. Okay, so, right. you want to see that? So, we're talking about challenges. Let's, let's create a challenge about it. And, and what, what about, though? So, you guys threw out that you, if you go to someone and they're complaining, yeah. that you, know, you can't get into their complaining. Yeah. If you have gone there and somebody's complaining about something, you have to try and think of. It's almost like you're going to have to print. Don't complain on your hands. <laughs> just to remind you because our life gets in the way. Yeah. We think we're going to do something right and we, we lose it. We go, you know, it's like a default thing. Yeah. We default back into our life. And maybe you might even want to wear a band on your hand for these 22 oh, yeah. days. And then if someone asks you, you can say, oh, hang on, sorry, I'm just practicing non-complained yeah. <laughs> to the complainer. Get a piece of, <laughs> get a piece of yellow uh, wool. Go to the local spotlight and or the local shop and get a piece of yellow wool and tie that piece of yellow wool or yellow string around your hand. Make it quite long so that you can strangle the person that's annoying. (laughs) 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 Yellow is the colour of surrender. So it's 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 actually about being aware. Oh, yellow is the colour of surrender. surrender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And white. Like so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do that. So, okay. do yellow little Everyone's get a yellow band yes. and then we start the next And you know day. you could power in these these challenges with an oil too. So, oh, you could actually choose an oil of the day. So, for those of you into aromatherapy, then what I'd love you to post also is the oil that you've chosen that day to anchor in the mm-hmm. non-complaining. That's do we have good. oils yeah. that can do that? Yeah. Like, can you think, like, you tell us one oil. Oh, Let's do an oil to each one of these. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, so... Chronic complaining, what are we using? Well, I would probably go for something like geranium, which is a very balancing oil. So it's a really good mi- reminder. Because when we're complaining, we're out of... Con- well, actually, for all of these, we're out of context, really. But the first one that's coming to mind for me is geranium. So let's put that one down okay. in there. So geranium and yellow. Yes. Okay. For awareness. Okay. Okay. So the, the second um, habit of an unhappy unha- person is that they, they think that buying stuff is going to make them happy. Mm-hmm. So retail therapy. Mm-hmm. It does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't agree with this one. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my name's Karen and I'm a 
chronic buyer. <laughs> <laughs> but you've said that before on podcasts. Yeah, Were you stressed? Matt, do not make me cross. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> do not fight with me because I will buy. <laughs> Whereas I'm the opposite. Right. I'm the exact opposite. I need to go out. Um, I, I don't want to buy. I don't want to go near a shop. I don't want to go near anything. Uh, if I'm, um, you know, not doing well, I want to go to the beach. I want to have an experience. Yeah, right. So the and opposite that I put down is create experiences. And as I believe that is far healthier <laughs> than the addiction of purchase. Create a retail experience. Oh, well, I don't know. No, because it's actually quite addictive, purchasing. Mm. Mm. Scrub what Kim Morrison just said. Okay. Create a retail experience. Ha ha, Kim. Like, go ahead and create a romantic experience with yourself. Yeah. Or, like, even for me the other day, like, normally I go to the supermarket on a Saturday and get all my supermarket done. But now I've got into the real habit of going to the markets. Going to the markets was a retail experience, but there was something different. So maybe if you are a retailer shopper, maybe if you find it too hard to pull away from that, maybe try and make it back to something more holistic, more wholesome, more grounding. Well, I don't, I don't know if the retail therapy includes food as far as the farmer's markets and things like flowers. I think that that's... Uh, they're talking about materialistic things. Look, I'll read it. Life is about experiences. However, so many people get caught up in the materialistic items that they forget what truly makes us happy. Sure, the latest gadget may make you feel good for the evening, but the high, but the high is temporary, and you will be back chasing the retail high shortly after. Get out and experience the world. If you can't afford to get away, become a tourist in your own city. Skydive, bungee jump, go to the beach alone, take a hike on an unknown trail, go up to a complete stranger and invite them out for coffee. Cute. They'd have to be cute, though, wouldn't they? There's always a bit of a I'm thinking, like, who does that? that? someone did that to me, I would think, weirdo! <laughs> read a book. But how cool. What how a challenge. Cool. What a challenge. What a challenge. Or read a book. These are, there are so many things you could be doing that will enrich your life that doesn't involve buying things. And for, and for me, I actually think farmer's markets and going and getting food, coming home and creating oh, I love the most beautiful foods. Like I could do my pestos and my mayonnaises. So in, if, if you must spend, then go and spend it on, on really, really good, healthy, holistic foods or essential oils mm. or something like that that mm. is going to create an experience. Not necessarily go out and buy the latest gadget or a new car or a new dress or new shoes. Yeah, I think it's very different. I think, yeah, I think different. it's very different. Because I think when you go out to like the farmer's markets, it's more about self-care. Mm. And it's more, that is an experience. It's a sensory overload of beautiful foods and flowers and garlics and you know all of that sort of stuff it's it's yeah but i still think if you are someone who does stress and go shopping going to a market would be a better place than going to the mall so to me i still think that would help people have a different approach to what they're spending their money on it's been a weird again yeah, it is and the best oil for that when you go shopping is basil basil oil it's very good for focus and for clarity so if you want to buy one pair of shoes or two pairs it'll help you decide not many pairs but it'll help you <laughs> maybe eight <laughs> um, but basil is a beautiful clarifying very very positive oil and i use that often when i go shopping 
And the other thing is don't go shopping hungry. Oh yeah, or tired. Or tired, yeah. Yeah, don't go shopping hungry or tired. But anyway, we're getting out of the retail therapy and we're going to creating experiences. And those experiences might be a weekend away with friends, a weekend away with your husband, a weekend away with your partner, you know. Like what you did on um, Melbourne Cup instead of gambling, mm. Karen. You know, you went and spent time with yourself. And oh, I did. I went to a day fun. It was quite fabulous. Such <laughs> a good idea. It's an experience. Yeah. That's not accumulation. Look, I know um, the other day I was, I've been home alone for the last couple of weeks and I've had Brogan, my son, and Michael, I would call him my foster son, they were home with me for about four days and we had such a good time. We made beautiful foods and we, we just laughed and had a lot of good times and they were moving down to the Gold Coast. So they packed up all their things while I was at work and I came home to an empty house. Mm. So I cried. I, I cried. I got into the house and had a tear and went, right, snap out of it, slapped myself and said, why don't you declutter? Just declutter your wardrobe, clean out, maintain, do some maintenance, so some things needed doing in the house. And when the boys are around, mm. it's really hard to do those things because you want to be with them. So yeah. I thought, this is what I'll do, stay moving, keep, you know, keep going. So that's what I did. Nice. And then yesterday I thought, well, I need a new dress. So I went out. I need dresses. All my dresses are just habit. And so I thought, well, I'll go out and go buy a dress. Well, I didn't find one. Really? No. I didn't find anything. And I was like, surely I can find one dress. Okay, so what was the experience around that then for someone like you? Because someone that is a retail shopper who uses it as a form of to try and make themselves happy, did you come home less happy, more happy, or you were okay? No, I was okay. I just thought, well, I didn't find one. I'll just deal with, you know, recycling the ones that I did have. Because that's when I cleaned out my wardrobe, I went... Do you only have a couple of dresses? And I love wearing dresses in the summer. Yeah. Because otherwise I've got shorts and t-shirts. <laughs> it was so funny. I walked into work the other day and Lizzie, who's, who does our, you know, our accountant stuff, so she sees me walk in and I've got a pair of jeans on with a belt and a t-shirt. And she says, going for the Lezo look today, Cindy. Oh, my God. <laughs> did she? She did. Oh, she's funny. So all of a sudden I looked at my wardrobe and it's t-shirts and jeans and t-shirts and shortwoods. Mm. And t-shirts and three quarters. And I went, right, I need... To, and maybe it was her saying you need a bit of femininity that I went, I'm going to go buy myself some, a dress, you know, go out and get a dress. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was that. Mm. But no, I wasn't unhappy mm. because I, I've got some dresses that I can I can use. So. Yeah, and for people that probably too, where this becomes stressful and makes people unhappy is when we can't afford yeah. to go shopping. They go and rack up bills on the credit card and then there's that horrible buyer's remorse maybe afterwards but so so just back to the experience and what he was saying for a lot of people to make themselves feel good they'll go and buy things yeah so you're really what you're pointing people at is to create experiences yeah. that was what you were yeah and, and experiences can be like asking a friend to go for coffee or let's go down to the beach you know remember Kim um, I don't know what we were doing and you just said let's go to the beach and get some vitamin D and so we went down there and I think we laid in the wind and got sand in our ears and it was a really nice day. Oh, that was the wooden swept experience. <laughs> but look at us, we're laughing about it now. Like I'm on my side going, I'll just let my, like my back get the wind and I'll protect you, Kim. <laughs> one is our binge drinking. Binge drinking. You've got bring drinking here. 
It's corrective typing. That's got you, got you. Ring drinking. Ring drinking. I'm going, okay, no problems. And what I, put it, what I put as an opposite was one at five because one yeah. at five is one of the things that the blue zones are all about. So what the blue zones are people who live to 100 plus, happy, healthy, right. without disabilities. And what's his name? Butner? Butner, I think his name is, is the name of the book, Blue Zones and Butner. Butner went to each of these blue zones to figure out, well, what is it that these people do that are similar? Yeah. And it was wine at five. And wine at five is where everybody sits down. It could be a cup of tea at five. But everyone sits down, takes time out, uh, contemplates the day before they start the meal plan. So that's why I put wine at five. Yeah, I did wine at five. So it could be a cup of tea at five. It could be, like, it's a ritual, isn't it, Kim? Yeah. It's a ritual. Instead of binge drinking where you go out, you get plastered, and you drink and drink and drink until you have no idea, you know, what life's about. And then you you wake up with a hangover and you've lost your whole day. I don't see, I don't get it. Mm. I do not get binge drinking one bit. And I know that it's huge in this society. It's a big, it's a big part of the Australian culture. I think, mm-hmm. but I think that maybe with a bit of education and you know more experience tends to. I think the older you get, the less likely you want to mm-hmm. binge drink purely because you just feel so crap. <laughs> really, <laughs> you just feel like hell. I went out the other night for a late night at that ball, the ball that us three went to. I got home at about twelve thirty or something because I drove somebody home. Woke up in the morning and I thought, well, thank goodness. I didn't drink last night because if I was to wake up this tired and hungover, I know I'd want to throw myself off a bridge. Really. <laughs> I just, I know. Oh, it, it would be unbearable. Matt and I went out for dinner on a weekend with a girlfriend for a girlfriend's birthday, and I think I had two champ, three champagnes. Oh, for goodness sake! Because I don't drink. Oh yeah, that'd be like having a bottle. Oh, good grief! And then the next day I had to get up and renovate. Oh, I felt, I felt dreadful. So I can't even begin to, well, I can imagine, because I used to do it a lot when I was younger, but that binge drinking mentality. What, what is it, Karen? What, why everybody's you, doing it. Everybody's why, doing just because everybody else is doing it, why do we? Why do people do it? I, I actually look at people who binge drink. Yeah. And, and you know, whether they become amorous or whether they become angry or whether they become just foolhardy or great, you know, I don't understand the whole keep drinking like if I have a drink and it it makes me a little bit dizzy that's it for me Mm. I don't like to be out of control I don't want to be out of control I don't want to lose a day in my life I don't want to feel like crap like you know I think there could potentially be two reasons I think the first reason is relatively superficial like if I look at even the younger kids coming through now you know, they are all wanting to have a drink by the time they're in their, by the time they're 14, 15. And then usually at home, their parents will give them a wine or they'll give them a beer or something. So they start to develop a taste for it. Because in the very beginning, beer and wine taste like crap. It does. It tastes terrible. And, and like spirits burns on the way down. So it's like you have to get the acquired taste for it. But I think that a lot of people do it because, you know, it's it's fun. Like when lots of people do it together with music playing and there's dancing and you kind of lose yourself. So I think from a superficial perspective, I think there's, there's a fun component about that, that our young kids are wanting. And because they can't do it until they reach a certain age, you always want what you can't have. Mm-hmm. So they reach a certain age and then bang, it's on. And then, you know, binge drinking just becomes a natural way of going out. That's how you go out on a Friday and Saturday. It's also cheaper. Well, yeah. 
But then on, the, on a deeper level, I also think that, you know, this is very deep, but I also think that we, as, as people, I think that we live these lives that are so unsatisfactory that our most wonderful escape is to completely lose ourselves and welcome drugs and alcohol. Mm. Because I think, you know, life is pretty stressful. And I look at everybody that I know that's my age and even younger, if they'll, on a Friday night, they want to go down to the bar or down to the pub, they say, oh, I just need a beer, I need a beer. And I think, why do you need a beer? And I ask the question, why do you need a beer? Because it's been such a hard week, you just need to have a few beers and relax. And that's their way of relaxing. So they can't actually go down and sit with friends without the beer. It's the beer that makes them relax because it's the beer that takes them out of themselves. Which means no one's really happy with who they are in the moment. And therein lies the conundrum of humanity, I would suggest. It's very deep, but I do actually think that there's a part of truth in that, if not a whole truth. And it's not just our young. You see, it's everybody. It's everybody. It's every age group. They just keep drinking and drinking and drinking throughout the night, oh. and you, to the point where they can't talk. They slur. I've and got friends that are in their eighties, and they do it, and they are drunk. Saturday night, their kids come over, and they've got little kids. The grandies. They're, so the you know the older ones, the grandparents, and their kids come over on a Friday night, and they bring their young kids with them. And they sit and get oh, smashed. Their culture and tradition. And, that, and they've been doing that since... And it's habitual. Forever. It's habitual. So the opposite is that wine at five. But if you don't want to wine at five, it's a cup of tea. And when, when you do go out, you know, give it a go. See if you can get high on life, not high on alcohol. I always remember as a, a teenager um, going through university, you know, all my friends would drink. But I was always behind the bar, the other side of the bar. So I had a job in the party bar, pub, and I would be feeding them their alcohol because, you know, that's, that's what it was. I was feeding it to them. And then by the time I finished work, which was usually midnight, and we all went to a party, they were all half car. Yeah. But I would, I would still have fun. I would... You'd have fun laughing at them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's, that's what it was fun. because they were comical. And they would get up and dance, and I'd dance with them as a crazy girl with them because... I didn't look like the odd one out, but I was having just as much fun, I felt. You know, if you, think, that. if you think about it, if we are really looking at all the different personalities of who we are and what we're born with and what and we've done podcasts on this, one quarter of the population are what we call sanguines or playful type stuff. So I'd say wine at five is ring a playful girlfriend or ring someone that is quite sanguine in their personality because there is 25% of the population has that and they don't need to drink. And if you give them one drink, my gosh, they're just even more playful. Yeah. So if you think about it, I three... Call that, I call it silly as a wheel. <laughs> if you think about it, three quarters of the population are not that type, which maybe then when we have alcohol, it brings out that sense of playfulness and that sense of light and easy and maybe that's what they're craving yeah, with yeah. a beer and yeah, so if that's the case yeah. then maybe all you need to do at five o'clock is find a sanguine in your life because they'll make things funny without alcohol so find a playful i think that's a nice idea i remember there was a person that i spoke to many many moons ago and they were trying to get themselves off taking drugs when they went out they would do the ecstasy and the cocaine when they went out and we were having a conversation about it. And I said, so why do you do it? And, and this particular person said, because I hate who I am when I'm not on them. 
I don't like who I am. And when he wasn't on them, he's very quiet, very, very introverted, didn't say much, really didn't, you know, speak his truth, really never actually said what was on his mind and, you know, was probably quite frustrated a lot of the time. But when on a Friday night and a Saturday night when he had his, you know, he had his um, little drugs. cocktail, yeah, he was out there. And actually, you could probably put in binge drinking and drug right. taking. I think so too. Yeah, I definitely think so. Binge drinking and drug taking. Because either way, it's addictive. Yeah. Really, isn't it? Whereas it should be wine at five and high on life. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Five and high on life. You want to get high on life and listen to the podcast. Yeah, high on life. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe that's the anchor there, is at five o'clock there's something that makes you laugh or something mm-hmm. that gives you a look. Laughing is one of the best, yeah. most highest ways of... Oh. And, and you know what? There's some great radio programs oh, as well as podcasts and there's cool. comedy shows. Oh my Did gosh, there's so many good comedy shows. Oh my god! What? What? what I said, oh she's just god. got something. I she's am. On her hand. I am gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> tattoo that on my forehead. Laugh at five. Life at five. Laugh at five. At five p.m. every day. That will be. Oh my gosh, what a great thing that we could create energetically. Oh, uh, shut the front door. All right, so number one, we've got the first day was stop complaining. The second day was create experiences. Third day, you must laugh at five. Yeah. Everybody, we all got to Everybody laugh at five. Everybody must laugh at five. And then you must yeah. continue all of these on, you know, like that's, we're just accumulating, but we're all going to laugh. We're not going to do a wine at five, we're going to do a laugh at five. I am tattooing that on my forehead, I'm and every right. day at five o'clock, that will be my moment to laugh. I'm going to, we're going to have to set alarms. Everybody set alarms. Done. Yep. And chances are, I will ring you girls. All right. Did we choose an oil? Have I said an oil? No, no oil yet. So I'm saying orange. Orange is the happy oil. Oh, yeah. Orange is the oil for celebration. Orange is the oil for laughing. Orange is the oil for feeling really good about yourself. <gasps> and I know where to get the orange in. Orange, chocolate, and laugh at five. Oh. <laughs> so we know chocolate, magnesium, releases yep. serotonin. Yep. Yep. And we know how to make our own chocolate yeah. with, the, with the orange oil. <laughs> I love it. I I've been stealing it. Kim's pen and here's my pen right here. <laughs> dog, it's it. a pink dog her pen. Yeah, my pen's a pink dog and you pull his little bum off and there's the pen. <laughs> See? I got it from like Peter Alexander. <gasps> oh, of course. Pajama place. Of course. Of course. <laughs> okay, right. so what's next? Okay. Worrying about the future. Read it to us. What it says versus about the staying in the present. Okay, so worrying about the future. No matter what you do... You only have so much impact on what the future has in store for you. Could you get laid off? Maybe. Could you catch a life-threatening disease? Yep. The thing is, you have very little control over whether or not these things happen. So why spend your time worrying about it? As long as you have a reasonable game plan and are living responsibly, you should be focused on what is going on in your life Right now. Yeah. Focus on what you are doing this second. If you hate it, do something else right now. I'm looking outside. It's sunny. My cat is rubbing up against my leg. I couldn't be happier. (laughs) It's true. It's true. If you think, we've we've often talked about this, haven't we, is that when you're in the moment, like right now, here in the moment, I'm as happy as happy can be. Mm, Couldn't couldn't be happier. Mm. And with my two best girlfriends, we're chatting about the most amazing things, 22 things that make us happy, you know, habits that make us happy. Um, And as long as you're not thinking about what's going on in the outside world, which there is a lot of crap happening out there. Mm. You know, like somebody posted on my wall today something horrible. And not about me, but something horrible happening on another side of the world, which... Mm. 
and I and I and like yes, at that moment I'm sad, but let's get out of that moment and let's go to where we are right now. There's always another moment. Yeah. There's a I, I don't know if you've seen The Matrix. Yes. Oh, I love that film. Yeah, yeah. It's, to- it's my favourite. I've only seen it 43 times. Oh, jeez. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with me. Not really. No. No. no, no. Not at all. <laughs> we were talking Mr. About Anderson. A little, a little obsessive. <laughs> Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> and there's a part, there's a part in The Matrix where he's... Oh, there's actually quite a number of parts, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> really? Yeah, but there's this part, and I don't know if it's in part one or part two or part three. I think it's part two, perhaps. Anyway, he's right at the very end of the movie, and he runs. Neo is, is running for his life to get away from, um, what's his name? The, the Sentinel. Yeah. yeah. And he, everything, Neo starts to see that everything turns into hieroglyphics, into the, oh, yeah. into the green writing. And then he starts to see, hang on a second... I've been so worrying and I've been running for my life and I've been so scared because everybody else told me to be so scared and everybody else told me to run for my life. And he turns around and he goes, no, I won't. I won't run. And he literally, he turns around and all of the programs are shooting bullets at him and he just puts his hand up. And as he puts his hand up, all the bullets stop mid-flight and just drop to the ground. And he actually, in that moment, recognises that in the moment is when he's at his most powerful. Mm. And when he's in the moment, he can stop everything and he can start anything. Mm. And it's at that point that the movie comes to an end where he dives inside Mr. S- uh, mm. um, Smith. Yeah, Smith is the, the program. So he dives inside Smith and breaks him up and all this sort of stuff. And it's so cool. But it's like... the most powerful. Mm. Is in the moment. In the moment. Yeah, yeah. it's... In, you, well, yeah, it's... He recognises that, and it's so it's so profound because I remember thinking when he puts his hand up, he stops all the bullets, and I thought, God, when you stand in the moment and you put your hand up, and you just say, No, no more, no more. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt on. I've been running around for the last two movies. I've been fighting for my life for the last two movies. No more. No, not and, doing it. And most people are either in the past. Or in the future, yeah. they're never in their very present, and you know the power of now with the katol. Mm. Everybody's talking about it, and it's it's not an easy one to practice. Mm-mm. But if you if you catch yourself, like when I'm swimming, I might have my thoughts going elsewhere, and all of a sudden I, I go, "Let's watch my hand come through the water, and then go through the other side." And wow, there's that building there. <laughs> <laughs> But if you are in the moment, if you are in that moment, it is actually, um, there's no fear, there's no, except that the shark went past, then okay, we have fear there. And there's actually, when you're in the moment, your thoughts stop. Ah, yes, interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's a, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, have I that movie, or there's a book called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Daniel. Oh, Daniel. I love The Way of the Peaceful the Warrior. Movie. Yeah, there's a movie. It's a movie. And a book. At, at the very end, um, I don't know if I've said this on a podcast, so please forgive me if I have. I have, don't ever remember no? you talking about this book yet. Oh, okay, cool. Well, at the very, very end, you know, the, I, won't, I won't divulge a story, but at the very, very end, he's doing his thing, Dan Millman's doing his thing, and the first thought that he gets is, where am I, Dan? And he says, I'm here. He says, what time is it? It's now. What's real? This. Mm. So you're only at an hour. You're only ever here. 
and there's only ever this. Mm. And I started running again, and of course I haven't run for so long, and I'm so unfit. So I'm running, and I'm just trying to push myself past, you know, just to try and increase my fitness. So I'm pushing myself past what I'm running at, and I'm going. I'm just here. There's only this, and there's only now. It's just here. There's only this. There's only now. It's only now. There's only this. There's only... Because when I'm anticipating getting home, then I think, oh, it's too far. I just need to stop and walk for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> or if I'm anticipating running to the next light post or the next tree, I go, oh no, good heavens, who would do this to themselves? <laughs> so then I stop. But if I don't do that and I don't anticipate a future, I don't anticipate an end, I just stay in the here and the now with this, I managed to get up six kilometres. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Do you know what's really interesting is that I went to a new coffee shop today uh, in Malulba and um, I walked into this coffee shop. It's very rustic, really rustic. Ooh, and I walked into the coffee the shop and there was this table with a cup of coffee and a book but no human being. <laughs> And oh. guess what the book was? Oh. Not the way the way of the warrior. Oh, this is so funny you brought that up. Oh, oh. goosebumps, goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I, and it was just, it was just the book was had obviously been read, and somebody had flipped it over, you know, on its on its cover, so yes. and split it out. A cup of coffee was it, but there was no human being there. And I'm looking. I looked at the book, and, and I got a beautiful feeling because I love the movie and I love the book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. Yeah. Yeah. And then you bring that up today. Maybe it's time for us to read it again. Oh, yes, read it again. Maybe it is. We need to watch the movie. Book club. Oh, here we go. Oh, wow. Oh, God. I could so do that. Oh, my gosh. Book club, movie club. Like, actually make it. What can we all do? We all. Right, let's talk about this in another podcast. All right, we'll have to stay tuned. We'll have to stay tuned for that because we will talk about that in another one. Shut the front door. Book, movie, audio. Oh, yeah. oh, well, the old audio is a lonely bit of podcast, so. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to. What do you mean? Nothing else to listen to. All right, so we've now, we're staying in the present is the, is the positive of that. And the oil for that, if you, one of the most beautiful things, oils for worrying, is frankincense. So frankincense is the oil for fears or fear of what might happen. It's also one of those beautiful oils that's used in rituals all the time. And it's ancient, ancient, ancient uses. It's the resin of the tree. It's like the life force. It's like being in touch with the center of gravity, the center of soul, the center of self. So frankincense is definitely an oil that I use whenever I have... When Taylor was really little and she was having a few bad dreams there for a while, that was one of the oils that I always pulled out, and she called it an angel fairy dust, angel fairy dust oil. So I think it has that feeling. So when we go into worrying, we're worrying about something that could happen, would happen, should happen, might not happen. So there's no point; it's not there. That's the oil to keep you grounded, but also keep you in that focus. It's a beautiful oil. I've got it in the bling that's in the background. Oh, I love frankincense. Mm. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. So, okay, so that was the fourth habit. Yeah. Ready for the fifth habit? Yep. Yes. Waiting for the future. So, the, I'm trying to find the person who wrote this, and do you know I cannot see his name? So, I will look for it and make sure everybody knows and we can credit it to this person. So this is saying waiting for the future, a bad habit of an unhappy person. This is for um, this is the the habit of an unhappy person. Yeah. So what I did is I said keep moving forward, mm. and I, I do know this is that Howard, my husband, his daughter, my stepdaughter, 
you know, she was in a really bad place as far as didn't know where to go, what to do, how to do it or anything like that. And he just kept saying, no matter what you do, keep moving forward. Just keep moving. Keep doing things. Just, just sit at home. One foot in front of the other. Yeah, one foot in front of the other. Go and, you know, do an experience or um, go learn something. Or He was always saying, just whatever you do, just keep moving. So this is what this person says. It says, much like worrying about the future, many people focus on future events instead of what is going on right now. The chain of thought usually starts like this. When you're in high school, you think you will be happy when you graduate. Mm. Once you've graduated, you think you'll be happy once you land a job, your first job. Once you have your dream job, you think you'll be happy when you get married. When, and then when you're happy, it'll be when, you know, you think you'll be happy when you have kids. Once you've got kids, you think you'll be happy when you move out of the house <laughs> or when they move out of the house. Next it will be when they have kids. Before you know it, you will leave, have spent your entire life waiting for events to bring you happiness. Just to realise life and happiness have passed you by. And your life becomes a photo album. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it is true. Everyone keeps saying, oh, I'll be happy when. when. Totally. I'll be yeah. happy when. So mine was, just keep moving forward, be happy now, you know. Just. I think that's a really, I think that's really profound, Cindy. To, to keep moving forward because one thing always leads to another doesn't it yeah. I mean it doesn't matter what you do or what you choose to do it always leads to something else and there's never a mistake or there's never a wrong turn it's just that if you stop well you're not in, you're not really stopping are you I mean there's only ever forward or backwards because if you're stopping you're going backwards so I think that's really good I think the, really the analogy cool. Cliff Young always used to say that to me when I was running doing my ultras and life is an ultramarathon. There is some really tough times and blisters and chafing and hitting walls. and But there's also the euphoricity of... Um, always, always think of you whenever I say those words. Um, but he, yeah, that, that's was, a Karenism. Yeah. When I was having moments off the track, wanting to quit, it hurt, nothing mattered. And I was in that... I was really present, by the way. But I was very present to the pain and the agony of it and just wanting to quit. I'll never forget him coming into the pit stop tent and saying, you know what, life's passing you by anyway. The race is still going on with or without you in it. So you might as well just get up and put one foot in front of the other and at least then you're moving forward. I'm not saying run. He said, I'm not even saying sprint. Just get out there and put one foot in front of the other. And I've never forgotten that. And whenever I'm feeling challenged or worried or fearful or stuck, one of my outlets is going for a walk or going for a run or just getting outside or, like you did the other day, decluttering, just take action. Sometimes a 20-minute nana nap can work too for people or you know, going and having an actual rest because we know when the mind has the ability to rest from the stresses of everything, you actually recharge in another way. Go and light a vaporizer. Prepare a beautiful meal. I think that's the challenge on all of these unhappy things. And probably we all do this quite naturally. I'm not saying that we're flipping brilliant at it, but I'm just saying I, whenever I feel those feelings, I want to go and do something. I do want to keep moving forward. And I think that is a really beautiful thing. Whenever I see even any of you guys, if you're in a state or you're in a bad place, you're not someone that I'd go, oh, I don't want to go around there. She'll be really quiet. She won't want to talk. She'll be... It's not like that. It's like, well, what can we go and do? Yeah. What can we do? You and it's usually pretty animated, our conversations, and they don't end up negative. They end up very positive, you know, mm. and just looking at a new spin on it. Mm. 
you know, it, it's about, you know, keeping moving and doing things because I'm just thinking back, as you were thinking back, I was actually thinking back too. So I remember at 18 living in Bendigo, starting a science degree in the first, I think, till June. And then I went, I don't want to do this. I don't want to stay in Bendigo. So I went to the snow. And then the snow got me interested, so I went into the season at the snow. So then the snow got me interested in nutrition and health because of my boss and because I met these two people who owned a health food store. And those two people employed me in Melbourne in a health food store. So I went to Melbourne and did a health food store and one of the, one of the boys' wife had a rose flower business where she would go to all the restaurants in the Dandenongs and sell oh, roses. Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't want to do it anymore, so I bought the business off her, made enough money to go, what can I do? I want to go to America. So I go to America. And I, and I think, and what I meant, in, what I did in America was anthropology that led me to nutrition. And I went back, and I keep thinking, if you don't move, if I didn't get off my butt, didn't like that science degree, and I went and didn't mm-hmm. go to the snow and the cascade of events that happened. And I never was looking, oh, I'll be happy when I finish my degree. I was just, just doing, doing my degree. Yeah. Which begs the question, when you do sit on your butt or do sit there wallowing in self-pity or you do feel like life's against you, it's not fair, and you withdraw, mm-hmm. what are you missing out on? Yeah. What's the life that's unlived? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, there's quite a... It's quite freaky, the opportunities that will pass us by when we sit in that space. And I think the one that we're doing right now, which is, you know, waiting for the future, you think you're going to be happy when you get to the future, is also part of, you know, staying in the present, as we said in four. So we've got staying in the present, not, you know, thinking that, you know, when I get married, when I have children, when I have grandchildren, when I leave my wife or husband, when I do this, and I'm going to be happy. But it's, it is about, you know, keeping moving forward and, and doing, you know, those things. Absolutely. So that was day five. Is and neroli is the oil I've chosen for that. I knew you were going to say that. Did you? I did. I, I don't know why neroli came to me. Actually, as you were talking about frankincense, I was thinking about neroli and I went, well, neroli will be the next one. <laughs> funny. I did because they're very similar. You know, it's a very both those two are very high vibrational oils, mm-hmm. and they're very very potent. Neroli is also the oil for de-stressing, and often when we're worrying about the future or when we're wanting waiting um, for, wait the for the future and we're not participating, there's a sense of non-transforming. So neroli is one of the most sensual transforming oils you will come across. I think it's a beautiful oil for that. And it's a gorgeous oil to wear as a perfume. Oh. So if nothing else, if you're waiting for the future, get up, go and put a drop of Neroli on your perfume points and watch what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about participating. Mm. It's about not waiting for what's going to happen, but participating in your life and, mm. and going with maybe those impulses that say, hey, I'm not happy where I am right now. What is it that I need to do in order to get out of this? And where do I want to go? Ooh! Let me go do this, you know. I just think, you know, even from university, and I went hiking for two months after university, mm. and the people I met and the things I learnt, and, and it all had to do with nature and food and going back to basics and living with less and not having any retail therapy, mm. Karen, mm. not mm. any. I never saw a shop for two months. 
No, that would probably break me. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, she's there, but we know damn well that she could live so without shops, really. <laughs> I think what you're saying, you think about the head. But if she lives without shops, I'm not sure she'd live without the internet. She's very oh, good correct. at that. Correct. You know, I've seen her at the back of a seminar oh, no. room buying rings. <laughs> <laughs> or on most in February buying footless shoes. Yeah, that was on credit cards that I paid off on the following <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know what I'm realising the more you talk, we're talking about this the more I think of happy people are people that are participators happy some people do participate whether it's learning or training or, 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 or going to things or creating functions whatever it is they are they're experiencing they're very, very experience based well, I've actually added that to 23. We're going to make that 23 participate in life. <laughs> well, they will have participated by the time they get there. All right, so that was, that was you know, right for the future. So our positive of that was keep moving forward. Or right? participate. Yeah, you know, keep moving forward on what you're doing, you know, and learn. Now, I love this one, number six, having a lack of hobbies. Mm. So this is what this person says. He, he or she, I feel like it's a male, but I don't know. Before I even get started, your job, house cleaning and watching TV are not hobbies. <laughs> your job, house cleaning and watching TV are not hobbies. But you know what I had to tell you? What about watching The Matrix? Okay, he didn't say movies. <laughs> he did not say movies. But you know what? As I read that, I went, but my job is my hobby. And it's not a job, it's what I love. Mm, and I know love. yours is too, Karen, and can yeah. I say yours? It's our hobby, because this is, this is when I realised it was a hobby. So hobbies are activities that you can become passionate about. I would say we're all pretty passionate about what we do. Hobbies are something that you can do when you have three hours of free time on a Thursday night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, mine would be... Right, I, would, I would be listening to nutrition things or reading a nutrition book. I, would, yeah. that, I love doing that. Hobbies are skills that could potentially earn you money. There you go. <laughs> earn your money if you become good enough at them. Happy people tend to have hobbies. Whether your hobby is kickboxing, playing the guitar, swimming in the ocean with sharks. Right. Running. Say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> a weekly 6 o'clock, 6.30 morning swim. No, it doesn't say that. Playing the guitar. What did I say that? Basket weaving. Oh, I can see you all doing basket weaving. I don't think so. Hobbies give you something to do with your free time and give you some time for you. This is time you are investing by yourself. Group hobbies are also an added benefit of giving you additional socialising time. I call podcasting a hobby. I would call podcasting a hobby. One yeah. of them. Yeah, one of them. So I, I just put as a, as a positive on that was enjoy hobbies. So what if somebody is just... So busy with their work, yeah, or their job, or their business, and they're so busy with it. But come the weekend, they're just exhausted and they don't have time for anything else. They don't have energy for anything else. And what if you don't know what you want to do as a hobby? What do you suggest? You know, that that was one of the things that I was listening to this gentleman Rosenberg last night, who does nonviolent communication, and he actually said that problem most people have in their lives is that they don't know what makes them happy yeah they don't know what to do with their life they don't know their life purpose so if you don't know those things how do you figure out what you do like as a hobby Mm. so which comes first do the hobby and then you find your life purpose 
Well, or... well, think about just things that, if you want to make it really simple, just think about things that in the moment make you feel okay. So for some people, cleaning houses, I know that sounds bizarre, but for some people, cleaning houses or decluttering or making that, some people make that their job and their passion. Look at a lot of these businesses that crop up around the world are all based on people's passions or people's mm. belief systems and things like that. So, I mean, for me, things like cooking, I would never think that that was a hobby. But when I think about it, it makes me feel really good when I do it. And when I'm stressed, I'll go and cook. If all else fails, go cook. Um, but, but it's like... Whereas Karen's face goes, no. Oh, yeah, but because as a mum, though, and it's the yeah. hub of the home, and I know maybe when my children leave home, it might not be as much. But right now, it's something that I love to do. Um, so think about things, if you can't think of a hobby like playing a guitar or doing a calligraphy course or something like that, then just think about the things that you enjoy doing that you get satisfaction from, even if it's minimal satisfaction. Some people, for instance, love renovating. Some people love painting. My brother sent me, I rang my brother yesterday, and he sends me a photo of him and his girlfriend painting the back of their bookshelf. And they've tried three times, and he's not a home handyman. She's not a home handy person. So they've been to Bunnings. They spent an hour and a half there. They got hangry, had to go and buy something to eat, went back to Bunnings, and all this. Meanwhile, I went, oh, it's, I'm done. Keep it white. Yes. So that was my reply. <laughs> Just keep it white. They went, no, we want to make the back of it blue. It'll have a nice... Three times, but the first time they did it, and then it just peeled off like rubber. They obviously hadn't prepared it properly or hadn't used the right paint or something or other. Oh, so on the third time, he's ringing me, and he goes, no, 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 we're doing this, and we've got it sort of paint now, we're, we're painting it blue, we've done it the third time. I went, give up. It's not your hobby. Go buy a new dog. Oh, shit. Go <laughs> get it. Pay someone else to do it. But do you know what? They got... They then sent me the finished photo and went how much they loved it. And I went, so I'm not saying that that was a hobby, but out of the satisfaction, I would say one of my brother's greatest skills is finding a solution. Like, and it's interesting that you should say that. Matt is, he's, he's, a, he's an interesting little creature. <laughs> my little Jeffrey, he's not little, my Jeffrey, he, he has a business and he's flat out in the business. And when he comes home from the weekends... You know, he wants to do fun stuff or whatever. But you know what's really interesting? We are renovating a place at the moment. And 5 a.m., he's up and gone. Because he's excited. Well, do you know? And when I ask him, he goes, oh, no, no, I don't like it. No, it's, you know, it's crap. It's hard work. It's hard work. But we've renovated three or four places now. And it's when I see him come alive. Put a rubber mallet in his hand and let him destroy a brick wall. <laughs> He's having a fabulous time. And all weekend, it just made me think about, about that, Kim, what you just said then about your brother. Is, like, for Matt, it's the same thing. Matt, you know, he's got his muscle car that he likes to play with. But, you know, for him, if he, if he can be building something or making something or repairing something, he's on fire. He's animated. He's exhausted, but he's animated. And it's awesome to see it. It's beautiful. Well, there's there's a real that. difference, isn't there, between feeling exhausted with overwhelm and hating your job and, and hating yes. that to exhausted from just, oh, I couldn't have done another thing in my day. But, but it was I, awesome. Yeah, it was but a like, great day. day. Yesterday I had the same thing. I got up, I couldn't wait to get up. I woke up four, started doing emails. Because I always love, I always think if I can catch things between four and seven, I'm already three hours ahead of everyone else. And <laughs> in the sense that I've done things that no other people might have done. Then I did a little, I went for my first run yesterday. Oh, did you? In six months. So I did a little run and that felt amazing. Worked on my computer all day, writing programs and stuff like that. 
helped Jacob. We went and sourced the internet and went and bought him a bench press because he's bulking, as his words. And then we, but then at, and at six thirty last night, I realised I hadn't quite finished. You know, I wanted to have my cars cleaned by the way. I'm out there, it's dark, I'm cleaning the cars, but it was like, I got into bed feeling like, yeah baby, I've done it, you know, like, I was exhausted, but felt so good that I got into bed knowing I'd done these things, so, so you look, can life become a hobby? I, I was just going to ask you the same thing. life become a hobby? Because I wouldn't say cleaning cars are my hobby, but my gosh, the feeling of it all being cleaned If it lights up your life, yeah, yeah. then why can't it be a hobby? Why, like, you're right, like... I, I love sweeping the floor. I have this. Oh, you do? I do. I have this. I almost bought a robo, robo um, vacuum cleaner this weekend, and then I went. But I quite find this. I have this thing. You're I'm welcome to my robo vacuum. You are welcome oh. to it. Oh, you don't like your robo vacuum? I'll give it to you with all oh, love. I want it. I'll, I'll, I'll I want to give it a go. I want to give it a go. I'd like to give it a go. But the thing is, is that I only have so many tiles, mm. and I have this broom that. It, it's not a broom, it's, it's, it's on a swinging arm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like the Inyo. And it's like this, this is how you sweep your floor. Yeah. And oh. nobody can see what I'm doing, but I'm doing this swaying it's action. It's rhythmic. And it's very rhythmic. <laughs> just I'm doing a kahuna massage. Okay, that's, that's what we should like. But I, I actually don't mind it. I don't mind when I have the time. It doesn't bother me. And then when it's done, there's no more dog hair on the tiles. Right. And it looks so good. <laughs> so you've really got a robo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one for Christmas. Because I saw the funniest thing recently, and it was a cat yeah. on the robo. On robo-vac. the robo-vac. Was that on Facebook? Yes. Oh, it was hilarious. Watching that cat stay on that robo-vac, and it gets <laughs> hit up against the wall. Yeah. I mean, and that's when I went... <laughs> Oh, my cat will just freak when it sees a rubber back. It will be out the door faster than anything. Not being on top of that thing. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Okay, so the oil okay. port. Oh, 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 yeah. The oil that comes to mind for me is pine. Because pine is a very inspiring oil. It's one for inspiration. It's one for when we're not feeling inspired, delighted. It's a, it's a very refreshing oil. It's intoxicating. And it's a great oil for inspiration. That's why I always say to people sometimes... You know, lighting pine in your vaporizer or going into a pine forest, you can feel incredibly. Oh, that's beautiful. Incredibly focused. Just enlivened. You're just totally enlivened in a yeah. pine forest. There's something about it. So, mm. so pine would be my. If you don't know what it is you want to do in life, go for pine. Go with pine. Cool. Okay, right. we're going to do one more and then. Oh, we're going Are to we do seven. seven. We're going to do seven. seven. Oh my. Well, seven will be, so this is the first week. This works actually really perfectly because we're going to do seven and this is the first week. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So this Good will be the point. first okay. week. Yes, a lot. So okay. Yeah, so we'll do it week by week. So this is going to be a really easy one for everybody because a bad habit of somebody who's unhappy is eating poorly. Right? Yeah. Well, that's their habit. So let me read what he said. He says, making bad food choices or eating too much is not only bad for your health, it can make you feel lethargic, guilty, depressed, and when done for extended periods of time, typically results in gained weight. Unfortunately, eating poorly is a vicious cycle. Oftentimes, people eat to self-medicate when they are feeling down. They feel great for a few minutes while they're... Troughing? Yeah, troughing, that's right. (laughs) Delicious treats, but then feel guilty afterwards, followed by lack of energy and reduced productivity. Eating healthy not only makes you have more energy, it also makes you look better which makes you feel better about yourself. See, this is not me talking. This no, is not me talking. 
<laughs> no, not that we've said this for the last Obviously, 100 hours. It could easily have been. It could have easily been me, but it's not me talking. Anyway, contrary to what the millions of fitness magazines out there will tell you, 90% of how you look is determined by what and how much food you put in your body. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Not how much time you spend running on a treadmill. Eat right, look great, and feel great. So the positive in that is eat healthy. Jeff. Just, just eat your food. And if you are one of those people who eats for comfort or you're one of those people who overeats to stuff your feelings, make sure that you jump onto my website, eatwithease.com, because we've actually got the next launch uh, or the next intake happening in January. So um, jump on that. It's a 12-week program to help sort you out with your emotional eating. And overeating and food addictions. Mm. And you know what? Great thing to start the new year. Oh, it's a wonderful thing to start the new year. And you know what? They should know what they should be eating if they have been listening to us for the last hundred and something hours of of podcasts or hundred weeks. Because that's this is what we talk about. But if you're a newcomer and this is the first one you've heard, then you know, for your emotional eating, go to Karen for what you should be eating. Go to Changing Habits. And for what oil we need when we're eating, Miss <laughs> Kimmy? Yeah, 28.com. <laughs> but interesting thing, even though you say, and we've got a lot of listeners that have been following us for the whole 100 plus mm. podcasts, you know, I still think there's a lot to be said for understanding the emotions behind eating. Yeah. Because even though they might be eating healthy, they're, out, they're now eating lots of it. And they haven't learned to control portion sizes or they haven't learned how to... It's not um, what they eat, it's necessarily it's why why they they eat. Yeah, Yeah. and I still think that's quite a significant journey to understand, particularly if you've been brainwashed a certain way for so many years. Exactly, and you know, what you eat, there's lots of information about that out there uh, as far as, and it's about figuring out what's good for you, but as far as why am I emotionally eating, you know, it's... A lot of people don't realise you know yeah. that eating bad food it's, it's like he says or she it's a vicious cycle mm. and we've got to get out of it and so it's about you know starting to eat healthy again but also understand why you got into that position in the first place absolutely and most people don't know they just they just eat the way that they eat they eat the way that they're conditioned to eat they don't know that they're emotional eaters and they don't yeah. know that and do you cover in your course Kez like people can learn all of this and they get it, but if oh, your yeah. tribe is not of the same thinking, yep. do you teach them how to deal with other people's? Yeah, you know, we spend we yeah. spend a good three weeks on that. Yeah, because what we've tend what we tend to do as emotional eaters and overeaters is we surround ourselves with enablers. So our environment lands up enabling our behaviour. Mm-hmm. So the people that we choose to have in our lives, um, our kids, the way that we condition our kids, our partners, the way we condition our partners, our parents, our work the route that we take to work, all of that sort of stuff. It's all about the environment that we set up to enable our behaviour. And, of course, it's unconscious. It was done innocently. But it's about reconfiguring that whole environment, and it definitely does include the people in that environment, Mm. for sure. Because some people will have partners that will say, don't eat that, you know, you're a fat thing, and, you know, you shouldn't be eating that, stop eating, stop eating, you eat so much. And that enables our behaviour because that puts us into a negative emotional state, which then forces us to look for comfort. So then we go looking for more comfort. Or they could be in a relationship with a partner that doesn't say anything. They just get a disdainful look. So it's got the same same result. Or they've got a partner who's completely disinterested. And again, same result. So the environment 
enables our behaviour. So it's about it's about educating your environment to support your behaviour, not enable it. Mm. And you know, it's also once I I believe that within yourself you have respect yes. for yourself because I, I'm just thinking of a situation I was in yesterday and somebody had bought to the coffee shop some biscuits. Now, I didn't know how they were made. They had no idea who the hell I was. But I looked at the biscuits and there was something that I went, well, I'm not going to eat them, but I'm also not going to ask a question. I didn't want to go, oh, what's that? What are they made of? How did you make them? You know, because I wasn't in that situation. So it's about having enough respect for yourself to not take it. Yeah. Because it may be something that you, is not good. Yeah. But... My girlfriend, Ricky, actually ended up eating one. And she said to me, it, sound, it tasted like it had custard powder in it, it had margarine in it. She said, this is what it tasted like, but I couldn't spit it out. <laughs> so, you know, like it's, it is about that self-respect. And, and I, I and like, no matter what, like whether he wanted me to have it or not, I would not have taken it. I would have said, look, it's okay, no, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. And left it at that, not... What's in it? Oh, I don't eat that stuff. Yeah, Sometimes it's not from judgment. It's no self-respect. It's your self-respect that you choose not to eat it. Nobody can convince you otherwise. Like mm. going out for dinner and somebody says, why are you not eating that? Are you pregnant? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or why are you not eating that? And, you know, well, you're on a special diet. Yeah. Mm. You know, so it's, I think that. It's challenging. Yeah, it it's is. Challenging. It's definitely challenging and it takes time. You know, it takes time to develop that self-respect, but then it also takes time because you've got to develop the self-respect first before you can have the conversations with mm. the enabling environment. Mm. But it does, it definitely takes time and it's, it's you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a reconditioning process because as much as you don't want to be judging other people for their food and what their choices are, mm. you know, you can also, when you go through this sort of transition, be on the receiving end of other people's judgments because they are used to you being a certain way. You're used to, they're used to you eating a certain way and all we ever want is to maintain the status quo. Yeah. We don't want anything to change. We don't want it to be different. So, you know, you can be on the receiving end of a lot of judgments. Mm-hmm. And eating with these, obviously, we talk to you about how to, how to handle that. But, it, it, you know, it's a slow process. It's take, it takes time and it takes a willingness to re-educate but a willingness to not budge. Yeah. And also patience with yourself learning the sure, information yeah. because... For some of us, it's nice to actually be able to turn around with a fact mm-hmm. or a scientific yeah. research paper or something we read or something that really becomes our own way of speaking. Mm-hmm. And that can take a bit of time to learn and feel that confidence. Oh, for sure. Now, Karen, you said it takes time. Yes. And Kim, you said it takes patience. Yes, it's taking a lot of time and a lot of patience to train all my friends to eat like me. <laughs> 30 years, I'm converted. I'm converted. No, I mean, you know, eat real food. Yeah. And I'm serious, you know, like True. 30 years ago, or 25 years ago when I moved to this town, nobody ate the way I ate and they thought I was a really weird one. But now all my friends eat the same. It's true. so Patience, 25 years, but I've done it. And, and, and our husbands are coming on the Yeah, day. yeah, yeah, yeah. We met, we, we met with, um, with James from Food Matters on the weekend oh, as well. He was there for two of us. And he turned around and, and he was going to come for dinner and asked what he eats, what he doesn't eat. He goes, actually, I'm a qualitarian. Yeah, I love um, He goes, sometimes that. I'm raw, sometimes I'm vegan, sometimes I'm paleo. But he goes, no matter what, the whole way through, I'm, I'm a qualitarian. qualitarian. And we both went, oh, you 
liked it. Oh, I did awesome. like that because I did say I said what he, I asked him around for dinner and I said, well, what do you, you know, what do you eat? Because I don't know whether he's a vegan, vegetarian, paleo, whatever. And it, it was it was a really good answer. I'm qualitarian. Mm. I'll eat anything. But it has to be quality. But also, too, he said he goes in phases. Sometimes he really does like being raw vegan. Mm, and sometimes yeah. he really is on the paleo kick. And I thought, oh, I like this man. Yeah, yeah because it's flexibility, isn't mm. it? I mean, it's not it's not being one way. It's mm. being open. And, and also free. respecting everybody's choices and beliefs and, yeah. and what they want to do with that. Absolutely. Okay. So the oil, by the way. Oh, yes. The, what, did, did you do think oil for eating? Like, no, that's what no, this is what we're doing now. Oh, so yeah, too, I'm like going, the oil I've got pine. Where are we at? What do you think would be the oil for eating? Oh, it has to be a food. Uh, lemongrass? Well, no. no. Oh, I love lemongrass. Yeah, okay, wait, wait, wait. Lemongrass. But think about if it's a negative aspect of eating, what's something that helps us when we feel bad about when we've eaten? Uh, peppermint? Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> It's a cleansing oil. It's very refreshing. It's beautiful to use with food. Excellent in the chocolate. Um, it's, but it is a beautiful oil for for clear thinking. And often when we're emotionally eating, we're not thinking clearly. True that. Um, or we think we're thinking clearly. Okay. But we're not. So can I do a summary and then Let's we'll close and we'll go to the start again next week? Okay. How so the first day is to you know, stop complaining. No complaints on the first day. Second one is to create experiences as opposed to retail therapy. Third is to laugh at five. Laugh at five. (laughs) Fourth is to stay in the present. Fifth is keep moving forward. Um, And don't think you're going to be happy tomorrow because you've, you know... You're having a child or whatever, you know. It's, yes. It's, don't, be, wait. Yeah, don't wait. Don't to be wait to be happy. Yeah. Don't wait to be happy. That's a better one. Don't wait to be happy. Yeah. Be happy now. Enjoy hobbies. Find hobbies. Enjoy hobbies. Whatever it is that you love, enjoy what you're doing. And the last one is healthy eating. And the oils that you will need is geranium, basil, orange, frankincense, neroli, pine, and peppermint. Beautiful. Perfect. Well, we hope that you guys have absolutely loved today's podcast. This has been really, really fun, and I feel quite relaxed in the zone. <laughs> so we hope that you guys have enjoyed it as much as we have. So go to our Facebook page and post all of your comments, and also tell us your top five, two, ten, however many you've got. Tell us how. Tell us all of your top secrets to staying happy. We're going to compile a list of what the top 22 are that you guys submit to us. So go to the Facebook page, which is all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Now, before I go any further, I just want to remind everybody that we've got Awaken the Change Within coming up. We've still got a handful of tickets left, and that particular event is going to be held in Mooloolaba. That's where the three of us get down and get deep and get dirty for three days of intense transformation. Looking at your mind, your body, and your soul. You don't want to miss it. It's a perfect time to rejuvenate after a big year that everybody has had. So go to the go to the uh, website at all the W's dot awaken the change within dot com and grab your seats and your tickets there today. Um, you can also post your comments at all the W's dot the wellness couch dot com forward slash up for a chat. And we're going to see you here next week where you get to be part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We'll see you on the ride. Bye for now.
Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. If you're loving the Wellness Couch podcast, then you'll absolutely love our special once-only free four-part webinar series starting Thursday, October 30. Join me and my Wellness Guys co-host plus Marcus Pierce from 100 Not Out and Inside the Champion's Mind as we dive deep into the hot topics of wellness over four consecutive weeks. Brett Hill will kick us off by showing you how to be fab and fit in five. I'll be presenting What the F and discussing the big bad F words when it comes to food. Lawrence Tam will leave you inspired with a magnificent mindset and MP will reveal his 10-step formula to mastering your life. These webinars are absolutely free and they go for an hour each and they take place every Thursday night from October 30 until November 20. To get access, you must sign up. So simply go to www.thewellnesscouch.com or check out The Wellness Couch on Facebook. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.